Hello everyone. Welcome to the We Get to Live podcast. Honest, deep and human conversations. I'm your host Anu. It's never like perfect, you know? So, yeah. What I was thinking about solitude is I think for some reason like why are people so afraid of it that they experience solitude but they're not they don't feel okay with having it or they don't feel like they are that they can handle it like there's this sort of hidden fear that I'll go crazy if I'm alone for too long it's like the voices in your head start taking you over and you don't really know what's happening now my whole view of solitude is that there is a kind of awareness when we're by ourselves and it's not alone or lonely i think we can feel lonely even when we're around a group of people the kind of awareness that happens when you're alone or when you're by yourself is that your ego doesn't have a lot to play with um i think your ego is strengthened by having someone else around because then you can see their ego and hence by by proxy you are an ego as well so you can express your ego way more when you're around people that in itself is also quite interesting because when we're by ourselves in solitude the ego starts to take less of a role so what takes more of a role and i think that's where we come to um things that people call the unconscious or um the subconscious or um and these things are part of a kind of way of being that we have started to lose touch with in our very busy societies we have started to lose touch with this kind of way of being because we're very much playing with our egos we're always connected or always busy we're always even when we're alone and we're looking on our phones our ego strengthens because we have a kind of virtual presence of other people there and that's tricky because there's a lot of development we can have in these moments when we are connected to our subconscious because if we see that our egos are an interface a living breathing interface between the world and our higher self then we can see that we need to connect to the world in order to express our ego but we also need to connect to our higher selves in order to know what to express in order to connect to that essence and you know when we talk about our egos it's really important to realize that our egos are they function from both sides of the spectrum it's important to have an ego that is interacting with the world in any form even if you're not physically there you're interacting in the form of writing of poetry even taking care of someone and that's when we can see that it's important for us to know what part we're playing in the same way that it's important to play the part and if we look at theater the audience the show that's important but the backdrop 
the backstage and rehearsals, the script and the direction. All of these things are very important for the play to come together and for the play to be good. And that's what really matters if we are to play our part well. So if we see that we're just trying to play the part, but we're not really focusing on what comes before that or what's involved in backstage, then we're doing ourselves a kind of disservice. And if we're only working backstage, maybe that's important. Maybe we're part of the crew that facilitates the actors. In this realm, I think of mothers, of spouses, of uh, people who support other people who kind of rarely get mentioned. You know, you have someone who's successful and famous, but we forget that there's so many people who have supported that person to get to where they are. This is rarely ever a one-man show. I think that awareness kind of makes us realize that what we're playing with in the sense of our role in life is far more intricate and important than we realize. And it's far more complex than we can imagine. It's hard for us to assume that everyone has to be center stage or be in the front of it all. Maybe some people are supporting roles and that's really important. Maybe some people are the kind of people we never ever see in life. But if any of these people weren't there or weren't playing the roles that they were meant to play, then that would spell disaster. And you know, the funny thing is we don't realize how things would have been if they weren't the way they are. If someone wasn't present, we were we could be living in an alternate universe where certain parts of society or certain parts of our lives would have crumbled. And that's something we can't know because we're living in this version of reality, in this life. I think that's when we can really appreciate the fact that if we are alive, if we are well, there's immense gratitude and immense pleasure in realizing that we're living a kind of life that's keeping us alive and hopefully we all have i'm sure we all have some source of love or the other around us it's only a matter of recognizing it i know sometimes we don't really think of how cool it is or we don't give due recognition to certain people who are around us sometimes the people who are around us they don't even ask for that kind of recognition so it's hard to say what's required at a certain point in time. I don't know if there's any right or wrong answers in life. Yes, certainly some things could be seen as wrong, but you put them in a drastically different context and they seem not so bad. I think that's a conundrum we all face. We all want to do the right thing, but maybe we all need to sometimes do a little bit of the wrong thing to actually know what the right thing is. So if we look at how we experience solitude or how we experience loneliness, if we do get over socialized or if we realize that we're only spending time with people and we're only spending time strengthening our egos, we might question ourselves and think, do I really have something to say? Am I really living this way because it's enjoyable or am I living this way because it's a compulsion? Because the alternative is not something I'm willing to handle. Often we don't get very meaningful and healthy relationships in our lives 
if we are living from a place of lack, if we're living from a place of, I don't really want to be alone. And then we're going out and finding relationships. That's going to be hard for us. And that's going to be tricky for us because then we're always going to be on the back foot. We're always going to be entertaining a certain level of fear, which at some point might come true. And you know, the idea of being alone is scary to most people. It's, um, frankly, for me, it was never scary because I was always an only child. So I spent a lot of time being alone by myself. Yes, there were internal conflicts between me and myself, and there were a lot of fights and a lot of arguments, but I started to learn small things. And I think eventually around my teens, we kind of became good friends. Um, and we started to learn how we're in this together and we got to find a way to, uh, to kind of make it, uh, yeah, make it work. So this thing inside me or this thing that I am, or I don't know, I don't define it. I don't really name it. Um, but I know it's something that feels slightly other to me or I feel slightly other to it. It's hard to say which is which. I call it like the internal voice, um, this voice inside me that directs me, guides me, and also is um, my kindest compliment giver, but also my harshest critic. And I think it's important to cultivate both because if it, there's been moments where it just criticizes and I'm just like, shut the fuck up, like, come on, you know, where I'm trying my best. We're both trying our best. And, and there's some moments where it's been too kind and I've fallen into complacency and I'm like, not really, I don't really want to do anything. I'm not really taking action. And these kind of things happen. They are part of the whole process of going back and forth yeah, in this existence, because we're, we're not constant things. We're not constant people. We making mistakes is part of growing. Like, that's why I believe there's no mistakes because, because if there were no mistakes, there would be no growth in the sense of something that's a mistake that's irreparable and that is going to doom us for the rest of our lives. I don't believe that exists. But yes, mistakes in the sense of, oh, I fucked up or I did something wrong. That does exist. And that's important for our growth. So I, for one, value it and I invite it into my life. And I want to be someone who's not afraid to make mistakes and well, God knows, I think the people who know me the most know that I make a lot of mistakes and I say a lot of things that don't seem perfect. But that's the point. That's I allow myself to do these things because that's how I learn. And that's how I know what's right by knowing what's wrong. And this relationship inside me has helped me always to have this sense of inner guidance. I think that's been the most important thing that inner guidance has told me that it's important to know where you're going. It's important to know what's driving you. It's like if we're driving to a destination, it's important to look at why we're going there. It's also important to look at how much fuel do we have? How often do we need to refuel? And what kind of maintenance do we need to involve ourselves in in order to get there? 
I remember reading something from uh, Rilke, who said something along the lines of there is only one solitude. And I'd like to read you a little bit from there. He starts by saying, what you might ask yourself, would a solitude be that didn't have some greatness to it? For there is only one solitude, and it is large and not easy to bear. It comes almost all the time when you'd gladly exchange it for any togetherness, however banal and cheap. Exchange it for the appearance of however strong a conformity with the ordinary, with the least worthy. But perhaps that is precisely the time when solitude ripens. Its ripening can be painful as the growth of a boy and sad like the beginning of spring. What is needed is only this, solitude, great inner solitude. Going within and meeting no one else for hours, that is what one must learn to attain, to be solitary as one was as a child. End of quote. I think a lot of other people have echoed these sentiments of the importance of solitude and how solitude can help us ripen and develop our thoughts in new and interesting ways. Um, Kierkegaard also echoes the sentiment when he says, of all the ridiculous things, the most ridiculous seems to be busy. And it's funny that the alternative to solitude is being eternally busy. It's like sometimes we're busy just to distract ourselves from the solitude that's waiting for us. It seems scary, but I would say from personal experience, it's not that scary. Solitude has this beauty and this, well, I would like to call it fuzziness even, and a warmth that gives us a feeling that we're, we're cared for, that we're present in the greatest kind of cushion there could be um it's like being immersed in a bathtub and while equally it might be nice to be in a bathtub with someone else it's also very nice and relaxing to be in a bathtub by yourself and now one of the important things also comes that solitude is great as a contrast to social to socialization and in the same way socialization is a great contrast to solitude. And when we have a healthy balance of both, we are able to find new and interesting ways to express our role in life. If we escape socialization too much, we kind of do start to go crazy in solitude. And when we are over socializing ourselves, we start repeating ourselves and we, we, start, we start to notice that we don't really have anything more to say. It's almost as if I'm saying the same message to 10 different people and getting possibly 10 different reactions. And by the fifth or sixth time, that message starts to feel empty. And I think those kind of feelings should be listened to and they can guide us into an understanding that we're being pulled into the other side of that balance. And being with people is also very nice, of course. It's not, it's not that I'm condoning it, I'm definitely encouraging it, but my experience of modern life has shown that we're around people way too much, whether it's virtually or actually. I think even if we're alone in our homes, we're around people the whole day through our phones. 
the kind of solitude I'm talking about is the kind of solitude where the only thing you might hear is the sound of the wind. And that solitude is so unsettling to us nowadays. It's almost like we're actively trying to run away from it. And maybe not before long, we'll start to demonize it. And there'll be stories about people who went crazy when they spent even an hour alone. Maybe it manifests in our anxiety of being away from our phones. I think a kind of solitude is very important to cultivate. And the best relationships are based on an understanding of the solitude. One of my closest friends, we have the saying that we spend time sometimes so that we can be alone together and we barely talk to each other and we're just in each other's presence. And in that way, we can share our solitude. So I also believe that solitude doesn't always have to be where you're alone, but it needs to have this element where something deep within you talks to you. And that gives us more content so that it can talk through us. We have to realize that the ego is playing the part in the game, but it's not the game maker. The kind of delusions of grandeur and megalomania and where power starts to become toxic is when we start thinking that the ego is the game maker and the ego is doing it all and we're all just all powerful and omnipotent. And that's why cultures from ancient times have always spoken about this fear that man desires to become God, but that's the most dangerous thing. We shouldn't play God, but we should realize we're as much God as anything else. And the beauty of life is that we get to play God without realizing we're God. Because in a way, the thing that speaks through us during those times of solitude is an energy we could liken to a God energy. It's something that's other than us. It seems to know more than us. And it seems to follow. <laughs> it seems to follow us everywhere we go. Now, this stalker God is, um, is somehow something we always carry with us. And it's something that it's, it's something that feeds us. It's something that guides us to new and beautiful things. It also helps us correct our course when we go too far astray. Because the paths we take in life, we can't know what these paths are. But in a way, once we set out on the way, the path is revealed to us slowly and over time. And the beauty of the journey is not knowing where you're going to reach. But also, importantly, that we keep moving, that we keep taking the next step. And sometimes maybe the next step is a step back because it's important to step back from our ego to realize that I'm a bit too far out there. I need to go in here. And then when you're too far in here or too deep in here, then it's important to take a step out. So I'd like to leave you guys with a thought. Don't be afraid of solitude. Go towards it. Learn what you need to from it. And learn what it has to say to you. There's so much richness and beauty that we have the grace to experience in this life. As someone who spent a lot of time in solitude, I definitely recommend it to everyone. And yeah, initially it might feel difficult, but change always feels difficult. After spending a lot of time alone, being around people feels difficult. But after a while, you start loving it. 
And in the same way, being around yourself feels difficult for the first few hours or maybe the first day. But after a while, you do start loving it. And eventually, like the seasons and like the way life goes through its patterns, there comes a time for change. And that change is also very important. I thank you very much for listening. I hope this talk was of value to you. This was Anu on the We Get to Live podcast. Until next time.